Coming up on this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast, we take a look at the latest news, including some moves between teams. We also take a look at the latest games, power rankings, and top performers in both men's and women's Super Pesis. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 41 of the Super Pezis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me, as ever, is our guru on all things Pesopalo. It's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? Good, because now we're hopefully talking about the actually important stuff, uh, which means the games. When uh, the Okay, the day when we're recording this happens to be the Saturday when there are no games because the schools are ending and so forth. But uh, in general, it's starting to like the the season is starting to take at least some kind of shape, and that's like fascinating. I was thinking about this the other day, and um, I, to use a sort of chess analogy, it's sort of the end of the opening so you you've got a shape or structure as to how the game's going to unfold and we're about to then start into the the middle game um that's my my take on it but we've seen um we've seen some great games very interesting moments in some games um and we've also had some news that doesn't involve uh tony kohonen which is is great yeah yeah that's that's always a positive these days. <laughs> so um, the the first news item I wanted to talk about was um, Jari Wikström. Uh, he had featured for a, a couple of games uh, with the Jöviskul and Kiri a few weeks back, but we got the news um, since the last recording that Wikström uh, is heading home, as it were. He's uh, heading back to Sotkamo on a two-year deal um i've always admired um Yere, and i've always i've always liked him as a, a a player um and it was really interesting to see how he fit in at uh, huvinka as well but uh Mikko, what do you you make of this move back to uh, sotkarno it's definitely an interesting one because okay he's heading home and he still lives in juvascula and so on, but uh, okay, I I also like him a lot as a player, having followed him ever since he was like a junior, and I got to know him like as a person, and uh, yeah, he and I think he has proven and shown everybody, uh, like for example, last season was amazing for him, and. Uh, but then he has like a of course a mind of his own that he just decided that he's taking a break and not playing anywhere and now uh teams have obviously they have needs and uh he is a shrewd addition to that roster because although Sotkamo is immensely strong but a two-year deal there that also like makes them uh, like even stronger and it sends out a message to the like the rest of the league that Sotkamo is like okay we have seen that they are back and they have never actually left the top of the league but uh, but yeah it's uh, it, now they have like even though if they would lose somebody to injury, they have a quality player on, at their disposal. 
Well, they've they've got great depth, uh, and adding um, Yare to it adds uh, a mixture of uh, the experience and, and skill that he brings um, to that depth as well. Because of course they're bringing some of the younger players uh, through over the last few years. We've seen that in particular. Obviously, Abokomalainen is a key example of that, and uh, Gallic Horseman, and of course as well. Um, but having that uh, additional experience on the team just broadens their kind of scope and, and the kind of uh, options that they have. Um, I was surprised to see uh, him come back to the game, I suppose, um, taking some time off, maybe not so shocked about it, but a little surprised um, when he ended up... Uh, with uh, Yuvishkul and Kiri for a couple of games, I thought, oh, well, maybe you'll be seeing him about in the Urkespesis games, but no, um, he's been snapped up back by uh, Sotkomo. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, just just a small addition to that, that I do know that he has been keeping himself in really good shape, like physically and like doing all the kinds of physical exercise that actually resembles a lot, like the training that the players do. He just hasn't been doing the basketball part. But for example, when he when he has been going to the like join the tests, for example, uh, where they measure the like speed and explosiveness and stuff like that and uh he was like top notch like throughout the winter so he has not like been just laying on the couch so he was like more or less game ready and the man is turning like 30 this year and so it doesn't take a lot of practice for him to come back so as well as um, Jare Wikström, we've also seen another uh, move, um, also uh, effectively from Tahko as well, um, Galetapio Huskong, who had been out earlier this season. We'd, we'd not seen him in the lineup. There's sort of been some tension and some difficulties in the background with uh, game management, I suppose, as well. But now Husko has uh, signed for Mansa and um, feels that that is a much better fit. Um, Mikko, what did you make of that move? Well, two things. Now, I think everybody sees the big picture uh, with uh, like the game management and between him, between him and the game management. And also that uh, he's the kind of person who doesn't like He's not not afraid to take a stand, and uh, for for example, when they introduced him uh, to Monza uh, last year, they did this amazing video where he like in, said that uh, I'm not going anywhere and and I'm staying, and now he was saying in the new introduction video that. Everybody hates me. Let them hate more. Like that's <laughs> that's the kind of attitude that I don't know. Uh, everybody can uh, form their own opinion, but he's not afraid to p- put it out there, out loud, and uh, uh, talk to talk, walk the walk. Yeah, he's he's another. A player who's really shone on on Tarko's, uh, lineup over the last few years, and and clearly a, a, a good addition for for Mansa as well, who seemed to drop off a little bit in terms of um, the the amount of talents they have on the team. They've also they've already got a lot, <laughs> but they'd lost a little little bit. Um, yeah, they but they with, definitely uh, needed him. That yeah. goes goes without saying that the depth of Monza definitely needed at least one, preferably two extra quality players, uh, in my opinion. And uh, like you say, Husko is is a uh, 
uh, a key signing. It's it, he really is somebody to fill that uh, that gap or one of the gaps. Um, another um, element in the news was uh, the announcement that uh, Italansi will be heading to uh, Juventusula in 2024 for the first time in 40 uh, years. Now we we know that Juventusula is one of the beating hearts of Bessabolo. Um and of course we've seen the rise of um of uh over the last few years. Of course this year now uh and Kiri hoping to uh earn promotion uh, to Super Pesis if they can. But how big is this uh, for the region to have that uh, that key Italansi game back with them? Well, it's been uh, it's been a disgrace that they haven't had a stadium that would be like befitting of the organization that Kiretaret has been growing into. And uh, as far as the men's team goes, they are not actually vying for a promotion this year. They're taking it like easily, but steadily. Steady, but, uh, the the location is pretty much in the at the heart of the country, and uh, it's the only it still is the only city where you can, for example, become a PE teacher. So it's like, uh, and that obviously is something that is pretty interesting to a lot of. Like or or a sports scientist or something like that, and that is something that is very much of an like uh, opportunity and an option for a lot for a lot of players. So uh, yeah, they will get a good team in the future, and you are absolutely right that uh, it is one of the uh, well. Actually, Pesapalo was born there. Like when Taku Pekala came back, he did his experiences at the high school in Juvascula, trying the different kinds of models. So I'm excited for that. And the Pesapalo needs new stadiums and places like that. And they need Juvascula to also come up um, in the men's super basis for me. Yeah. And. I'm I'm really excited uh, to see Juventus get uh, the big ticket game for 2024. I think it's going to be huge um, for the city, and it's something like you say that has been overlooked for far too long. Um, of course, you know we've got the issues with the stadium, but now uh, things are, are changing there on that front. But yeah, I'm really excited for the city. I really hope. Um, I really hope that I'd be able to go, actually, because it sounds like it's going to be amazing. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. So in other news, the final story I wanted to um, touch on uh, was uh, Janeta Lepister's uh, record uh, breaking for her age and number of games, 700 RBIs. That's the seventh highest in the women's Super Pisces, um career. But in terms of how a few games she's played uh, it's a phenomenal record Miko uh, what do you make of uh, her achievements yeah that's like that just speaks volumes uh, about two things obviously the teams that she's been playing in but first and foremost about her quality as <laughs> and like at bat because on her day she is she has been and still is pretty much unstoppable in uh, in most games at least but uh, but yeah uh, an incredible feat and uh, a really hard one to break even though the like the amount of runs are have been a bit on the rise but still kudos to her mm. I mean, it's incredible to think that there's only 212 <laughs> games in that um, that career so far, and yet so much success. But like you say, I think one of the things that 
um, if you're a baseball fan or, or even a cricket fan, something like that, you may not initially think how important an achievement that is in terms of the team that's behind you and the team that's assisting you. Because in cricket or in baseball, a lot of that is that individual achievement, you know, when you're scoring runs. But it's it's near impossible <laughs> to score consistently unless you've got a good team behind you and she's been uh, incredibly um, well supported uh, in that front. And of course, she's done amazing things uh, with the te- teams that she's been with. And continues to do. I mean, uh, we talked earlier on about how um, Lapoir, one of the uh, the champion hopefuls uh, this year, I've got my doubts about them still, but uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see how those things turn out. So that's the news stories I wanted to touch on um, this episode. Um, we'll take a short break and then we'll get straight into some of the games. Okay, so uh, welcome back. Uh, We're talking about some of the key games that have happened since our last episode. Um, Starting with the men's, there was a rematch of the final, I suppose you could call it, at Vimpley, uh, beating Mansa. Um, Mikko, did you catch that game? Yeah, I did, and I watched watched it with a close eye, obviously, and... uh... Okay, first I was a bit afraid that the uh, like the weather condition would like make it a bit tame because I a couple of hours, maybe three, four hours before the game, I I caught from like Dominiscan and uh, posted on Facebook that uh, it's game day and it was snowing in Wimbledon. But uh, the the saving the thing that actually saved it the game from the like as far as the entertainment factor goes was that the wind was like there was a strong wind from from the home base towards the like the outfield and that made like uh, made it really hard for the outfielders uh, at at times. And uh, the game saw a lot of runs, a lot of good hits. And uh, yeah, Vimbley showed that, uh, like, nobody ever had any doubts that they would have, like, taken a step back. But they they just showed their sheer quality. And uh, Monse are still... Like a process, like project in the works. Mm. Well, we saw this with uh, Monster last year as well. Um, uh, before their their stadium was finished, uh, they seemed to to kind of float through the early parts of the season, picking up wins, yes, but not really that convincing. Um, but of course, turn into the playoffs and they switched it on. Of course, in the end, they were no match for Vimpley uh, going into the finals. But um, yeah, I I saw a really high quality performance from Vimpley. Like you say, lots of runs um, on the board there. Mine's just, like you say, that kind of project still trying to work its way through. And of course, Huskos, uh, as I say, was uh, was in the lineup for that game uh, after moving there uh, to to Mansa as well. So interesting to see him fitting in um, and those things working out. But a, a great uh, game all round. It'll be interesting to see if and when these two teams meet up in the postseason, whether it would be so uh, so clear cut. I, I suspect it m- won't be. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. So one of the other games, and we'll probably spend a little bit longer talking about this one, 
that really caught my eye. <laughs> and I was really trying to fathom out what was going on. Um, was uh, IPV's win over Johansson Myler. But um, they let three points slip through their hands quite interesting way because they had tied the second yard so the win was in the bag so two points were theirs uh runners uh on all all bases and with an opportunity to score a further run and therefore earn that third point however <laughs> timeout is called by uh IPV and during this bit of confusion, we have a technical out and the game ends with lots of people scratching their heads. Now, I, I had to watch this several times. The first reason was because um, my kids were still awake, so they were running around <laughs> at the time when I was watching this live. And you miss what's going on and you are completely in the dark with this. Um, but Miko... This was really weird. This is one to go and watch again and again and try and pick up and understand, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those classics. I mean, it will probably not happen again in my lifetime in a, uh, on, on super basis level, at least. I mean, it's it's easy to get caught in the moment uh, in there only win so far <laughs> this season but uh but still you you hit like Villa only just hit this beautiful hit and and they they scored the like the winning run and they had the option to get the extra point and to get caught up in the moment and putting his cap on and going like uh, staying outside the home base outer circle and uh when he realized that he should be on first base it was way too late and uh, that's like that is a technical fall and that's one of the uh, a technical out sorry but that is one of those things that just are in the rule book and uh, you rarely see them Sometimes you see them like in the written tests of for the umpires, and uh, you do. We do have some classics that, uh, well, one that springs to mind was a playoff game between Koska Gorova and Wimbeli maybe 15 years ago, uh, when, uh, like after the last, uh, after the last strike, yeah. The the batter of Bimbeli was like pushed. Uh, they were cele celebrating a run because it was becoming a clear cut winning run in a scoring contest. And Yuhasuara was the one batting, and uh, his teammates became to celebrate with him, and they kind of pushed him uh, just a bit away from the home base like he left the home base and when you leave the home base after the third strike you cannot come back immediately when you stay back that is like a technical out even in a scoring contest so instead of a, a like a winning run in the score scoring contest the game went on and that was that is a classic, and this one became an instant classic as well. But, man, if they miss anything by one point this season, it's gonna, it's gonna come back to haunt them. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm personally upset by uh, the loss of that one point because that's the difference between my IPV and your. Uh, Patioki at the moment, who, by the way, have only also won one game so far. Yeah, and the speaking of which, the uh, we have two super interesting series coming up. We have the London series, which is like only two, three weeks away, three weeks away from now, 
And uh, we have the so-called Pine series also starting because IBV and Pato are playing back-to-back games on on Sunday and Thursday. And uh, now they're tied or close to that. Like uh, there's maybe like one point difference or something like that. And uh, but yeah, getting two wins out of those games and uh, that should do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking as well, of course, because I'm I'm really impressed with the way that Patioki have been playing um, so far this season as well. But when we're looking at the points, there's there's only one point in it between them in the table. Um, so yeah, go, going back to this this game, it was a really important game for for IPV, bit of a, uh, a rivalry type game, of course, as well. Um, but being in that position. And unexpectedly, I suppose, winning the game. Um, it all got a bit too much. Um, Villeveco Oli forgot, I think, what was going on. When you watch it back, um, he kind of stumbles or stutters when he's going to first base because there's a runner there already and they don't immediately run to, to second. So when the timeout's called, even though he, he knows he's on first base, he then seems to completely forget about that, takes his helmet off, goes outside the uh, the outer circle, comes back in, he's standing there with everybody else, um, when actually he should be back on first base. And, well, that's it. Third out, game's over. <laughs> no no three points. <laughs> no no shot at three points. I mean, there's nobody nobody can say for certain that they would have um, they would have got that third point but uh they don't even get a chance to to go for it but uh yeah really worth watching again um especially if you enjoy looking at really technical aspects of the rules or really strange situations but maybe that's just me um the other game then from the men's i wanted to talk about was uh, quite an interesting rise for kempele at the moment we we were talking in our previews about how well they've been uh, preparing year on year and whether they're just outside still the top four or five teams. Um, they gave KPL a good game uh, the other week. Has, but, uh, sorry, on the 1st of, of June it was, wasn't it? Uh, but alas for them, uh, KPL come through in the scoring contest. It was a really tight uh, game, really interesting one to watch. Um, KPL obviously uh, still struggling um, without um, Elias Pitkinen, but Vainio still doing a, a pretty good job. Uh, Mikko, what did you make of this game? Well, that one was like uh, those, those conditions. Uh, well, first of all, uh, it was a quality game game uh, despite the conditions because this was played in quite arctic conditions to be honest so it was like the gust of wind was coming from the outfield and it was like six meters per second and and uh, the temperature was something like three four degrees so it was it was a clear that it was not gonna be a run fest or <laughs> anything of a kind. But uh, and Gambela uh, was also they had like um, they had a double, so they had been to Hubinka the day before. Uh, Sami Harpakoski was out of the lineup for this game. But uh, I think that they both played uh, not not their best game. But I had they those are two teams that have been impressing me, uh, like in the early parts of the season. Uh, uh, Iroheimi is getting pretty much everything out of the like the machine that like the KPL can provide at the moment for me, and uh, he's he's doing a really good job, and they are. Like uh, they are a team that is looking fresh, and Gambela is looking really hungry and like energetic, and they are fun to watch. So at the moment, I, I'm, I'm one of those who is like, like I I like to watch them, uh, and the way they 
they approach there's some freshness to that and the uh, the league needs that yeah both of these teams for me are are really uh, outperforming uh, a lot of the expectations people had for them they they've really like you say got the absolute most out of each of their players in these games so far uh, and this was another example of Okay, like you say, not not the best, not the best conditions, etc. But both of these teams really showing that they they want to be playing until the very end in September. They want to be going for the medals. They really desperately want it, and I'm I'm really impressed, as I say, with with both of them um, because, of course, the the huge blow that uh, KPL had at the very start of the season is not an easy one to overcome. Um, you lose any other part in their their machine. It's it's a bad um, bad issue. But uh, to to lose a pitcher and the fact that uh, Pitkinen is already replacing uh, Kivipelto, it's it's a really tricky situation for the team to have to make that further adjustment. But uh, they're doing incredibly well, and can play, of course, like I say, they are outperforming. A lot of uh, a lot of people's expectations there as well. So uh, moving to the women's uh, super basis, um there was one game. Obviously, I was watching quite closely um, with my links to Harmina, and that was uh, the game against uh, Pori, and a surprise uh, first Yaxo win for for Harmina. The the game slipped away from them, obviously, in the second. Um, Yaxo, but it stayed quite close as uh, Superboro and then the uh, scoring contest as well until the very end <laughs> when Bori just let loose. Uh, but that was a pretty impressive display from uh, from Hamina. Um, I, I certainly I thought uh, Mikon. Uh, I've been a pre- been impressed by them, like in general. But I mean, they they have been scraping like okay, it's early doors, but they have had really important win, really important wins already. And uh, for example, the Pore game manager Jarko Bokela gave like a really uh, positive feedback to the whole like, the atmosphere and the like the. Uh, the general feel of like how HB is like how they are as an organization and that they belong to super purposes and and that they that the league needs more uh, teams that have those kind of facilities and that kind of history and uh, and yeah I mean a point earned and uh, an unexpected one but uh, like when when you take a look at the table they they are like uh, they are at six points after six games played and behind them are three teams who have won like zero games combined like <laughs> at the beginning of the season so uh, six points it's quite a bit Mm. Well, the three teams behind them, um, Darko have only got one point at the time of recording, Kempele only one point, and uh, Rojo Teret no points. So the fact that they have not only beaten um, Rojo Teret twice in those very important games, but actually then taking a point away from a well, the, the team that's currently top of the table um, is an incredible uh, feat from them especially a team that we talked about in our previews we've talked about since then really struggle or will struggle as well to score runs Taru Toika one of the the batting jokers from Hamina has had an incredible start to the the season and has been really the the key to uh, Hamina's offence but what impressed me most about Hamina in this game was their defence I mean, okay, you know, they're going up against (laughs) 
Pori, so they will leak some runs and the scoring contest that uh, that skill difference was was very obvious. But there were times when you felt that, okay, this is a team that that can compete, that can manage. The consistency perhaps isn't isn't quite so there, but um, yeah, really impressive uh, point from them. Um, it's a victory, but it's actually a loss. <laughs> I suppose is one way of looking at it. Uh, it's a victory, and of course, of earning that that uh, very important point. Another game then that uh, caught my eye for fairly similar reasons, um, although no points for Mailatret um, was Mailatret's narrow loss to Kiritret. Now Mailatret last year were finding ways to earn points against the big teams, stay close in games. This game reminded me of that performance from last year. However, of course, they didn't manage to come away with any points. Um, Mikko, what did you make of this game? Well, they have had they have had a, like a absolutely huge number of changes to begin with, but still they are giving like the top teams a run for their money, and uh, this was uh, a game like. An even game for me to begin with, honestly. I mean, when I did a preview of this game, I mentioned as the last sentence that nobody should be surprised if this game will be and like uh, will will go long way into the evening, like so to say that it will be a long one, and it was close to being that. And I was I was saying that. Okay, like basically that nobody should be surprised if Malatare come away with at least a point, which they were close to do, but doing that this time didn't. But they have proven that they do have the quality, and uh, but that was kind of known. Now it's just all about consistency. But like in playing in Vasa, they are they are dangerous yeah i mean looking at the statistics here uh, rika polso eight runs in the game that's incredible um it's uh, it's it's a huge amount a lot of uh, weight on on her shoulders there in in that game and she rose to the occasion um I think one of the key aspects here is is one of the points we were talking about in our preview, and it's it's how the team is managed and the game management and, and finding those ways to score those runs to really uh, put the pressure on those bigger teams. And, and this was a good example, I think, of that. Um, like you say, in Vasa, they are a tough opponent to, to play against. Um the final game that I wanted to talk about in the uh, women's super Pesis, uh, happened fairly recently, which was um, Jonsson Myla women's team beating Mainzer. Now um, I covered this on my my blog as a um, as a game review as well. This was a really interesting one for me because Mainzer proven that they can score a huge amount of runs. In any given game, this game they were held to only two runs, which has only happened twice in the last two years. <laughs> Normally, they've scored way more than two runs in a single game. This was the third time it's happened in two years. The two times before, Kritret last year in the final, and interestingly, Johansson Myler in August last year. Is Yonsu the the bogey team for Mansa? I mean, who knows? They did have like tactically also they had their number to be honest, but they're still Yonsu uh, had like statistically they had less than an eight percent chance of winning the game, like. 2-0. And that was like based on the analytics. 
and still they have to stay. <laughs> they were so much better in that game that it was like the the numbers not, are not even lying in this one. I mean, they were like they they outperformed Monza by by a country mile, and uh, like uh, it was interesting to me that uh, like. Jonsu was obviously well prepared and they played uh, like their outfield was like top notch and so forth but equally I was like even a bit concerned about the body language of Monza that I was thinking that is this the team that like am I actually watching Monza play like uh, that was that was a surprise, especially after Johansson's last performance at home against Seinayoki, where they, when they lost in a game that for me was a bit of a test of can they challenge the top teams. They lose fair and square, and then two days later they go to Monse and just absolutely like demolish them. So it's. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that sounds it, it, up your answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it really is a, a, such a stark contrast, those two games. Um, and they really did look the real thing against Monza um, in, in that game. It's, it's like you say, it was almost like this wasn't Monza playing... <laughs> Um, because they were really outperformed in, in almost every area. I think the key for Jonsson was the fact that they took the lead and they never let go of it. They held on to it and Mansa just couldn't produce anything. They couldn't. They, they were either panicking or they, they weren't uh, hitting their marks properly. Uh, I mean, all fairness to, um, to Jonsson and, um, their uh, pitcher, Vera Doika, she did an incredible job and I was really impressed uh, with her performance, uh, both batting and pitching. But um, yeah, it was it was a, a really interesting game to watch and I, <laughs> I must be honest, I was not expecting uh, to see that performance based on uh, Yohan Su's uh, game against Senioki just a, a couple of days earlier. So there's the uh, games I wanted to uh, talk about between uh, the last uh, podcast and now. Uh, we're moving on now to the power rankings. So each week I produce on the blog a uh, list of uh, where I think the teams are at based on statistics and um, how important their wins or points have been against some of the other teams. And there was a clear... Uh, lead for Kempele um, the other week after their victory against Vimpele. Now, that was huge. <laughs> um, I looked at the the statistics on this and Yanni um, Makala and uh, Jokopeka Vainiompa, since Vainiompa has gone to Vimpele, those two have consistently scored more than two RBIs in a game between them. Huge numbers, usually. But this was one of only two games where they were silenced, pretty much. Now, I know that Vimpley didn't have their top um, their, their top line out, a couple of key players missing, but um, this was a team, Kempley, that we were talking about a couple of years back now that had such an appalling outfield. Uh, Mikko, do you think that Kempley have now fixed that issue and they are um, possible challengers this year? Well, they have not fixed all of their issues, but they have fixed most of their issues. And that does, like, I'm really intrigued to see how far it takes them, because if they do have the basic pieces put together to like at least like put up and like 
make up a reasonable case for for that that they can like play at top level throughout the season and uh well simply put that win against Vimpeli was the best game that Gempel and Kiri has ever played and uh, those were not like just my words but the commentator and the also one of the members of the board and the former player and a really a guy that I really admire Johanna uh, Tiranda said as a commentator that this has been the best display that he has ever seen from Kempel and Giri. And I, I echo those words. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was, I was astounded <laughs> to see the score line, um, with that one. And it was, it was such an impressive. Uh, performance from them, the best I've seen them them play. And of course, since then they they went on to beat um, Tarkom, take three points there, and come close as we we mentioned a moment ago um, against uh, KPL as well. So it's no surprise that they're they're currently uh, second in the power rankings for this next week as well. The other trend I wanted to um, talk about is um, Yumiusit, who are seemingly really struggling at the moment. When you look at the the teams that uh, are around them in the table, you expect them to be there. You know, Aliyarvi, um, IPV, uh, in particular. But uh, Yumiusit, okay, they've. They've played, played one less game than those two teams, but I'm getting a sense that this is a team that's struggling to find its rhythm again this year. We saw them struggle in the early part of last year, and then miraculously they, they turned it around. They completely turned it around. Do you think we're going to get a turnaround again from this team, or, or is it going to be downhill from here? Uh... A turnaround to a certain extent is is on the cards, I think. It can be done. Uh, they started with uh, four away games to begin with, and uh, tough ones at that, uh, at least some of those. And uh, so I was not surprised that they were not like, um, they were not getting po- points out of those, just one actually. But, so the game against Alayarvi, which is a bit of a like a local rivalry in a sense, but that became a bit of a even though it was only the fifth game of the season, but it became a bit of a must win, like and the game actually looked like that. So there was no, like, nobody was relaxed and everybody was really tense and aggressive even. And so, and they have a couple of players in key positions coming from Ukkospesis and it will take some time, but their quality overall is not that impressive. They don't have that many runners, but uh, I think that we're going to see... We're going to see more from the pitcher as the season unfolds. And uh, the like the batting chokers, uh, and the, like Marcos Halaso has obviously been there before. But now that they made the signing also from Olo, Apo Hilton, and he has, he's actually one that I have, I'm keeping an eye on that he's not ready yet but he's he might be getting there i mean he's been positive nine rbis in five games a young guy like good clean hits and uh who knows i mean uh but yeah they to be honest they have been a disappointment to me maybe the biggest disappointments with Darko. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, and 
the next game, which um, will have happened by the time this recording comes out, is um, uh, Yumiya Sit against uh, Thako anyway. So that'll be interesting to see which of the two disappointments disappoint us more. Um, but there we go. Yeah, it's the the real test for me. Okay, like you say, you know, they'd had a tough start, four away games as well. They had a tough start as well last year, in fairness. But that Ali Arvi game was was quite telling as well. Ali Arvi coming up this year, a lot of people expecting to be rock bottom of the table. Um, they perhaps were promoted a year or so ahead of of where people expected them to be. Um, but Ali Arvi are are showing a bit more fight about them. They're showing a bit more to them than Senioki. And I, I feel like Senioki are a bit of the the balloon with the air slowly leaking out. It's it's not it's not a happy ship uh, there in Yumi Yeah, it's uh, that, that's a good point. I mean uh Ali Arve was like they were super close to winning that game in like it, they had a two-run lead uh, at the very end, and they just uh, then you move it in all fairness just came back and uh, tied it. But uh, but yeah, uh, Alai Ervi has shown some bright spots and uh, some interesting young players there as well. And yeah, I mean, uh, I think a positive start from them and. Uh, you may use it, yeah. <laughs> you summed it up. Nothing to add to that. <laughs> so moving from the men's power ranking then to the women's, and uh, for the first two weeks of the season, Pori uh, were quite comfortably uh, top. Uh, but at the moment, for the third week, um, Senio and Maile Yusit, because of their win over Yoansu, um has sort of leapfrogged uh, everybody. It's all very early days with the power rankings in the season. It all you, you tend to get some very odd results in my my calculations with these things. But while um, you were put on a, an impressive display against Yonsu, Yonsu then of course are second currently this week because of that win over Mansa. Um, but Pori's been pretty impressive um, so far this season. They're currently top of the table at the time of recording. Um, as well. Um, Miko, have you been impressed with them? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing not to like about them, and they are like, they will still even, like, they will get even better as the season unfolds. And, uh, well, Lapua is like, they have had results going their way, and uh, uh, they will also improve. Get it that it have probably been like as well as as good as Bori in my books, and uh, and one team that I would like to uh, like raise up has been Ramanfera, who have been like in my. For me, they have been uh, one of the top four teams. I I would even lift them above Monse at the moment. I mean, or at the same bracket at least. Uh, I mean, for for, uh, five games, four wins, something like that. Senayoki, yeah, a quality team, roughly in the same bracket. Six games, three wins, three losses. Well, let's see. But like you said, early days. Well, it's interesting you mention um, Ferra because in the um, the power rankings for week two, Ferra were third just behind Monza. But this week at the moment, they're ahead of, of Monza as well. So um, really interesting to see how that dynamic's um, going to play out. I... I have also been quite impressed with with Ferro, how they've approached things as well. Um, the team that really does worry me um, is uh, Roy Hutteret. Now we talked about how 
challenging a season they had last year. They all all then lost, of course, um, Lotanumukari um, and having to start from a, a new pitcher. Um, but this is a team that really seems to be struggling and, of course, with some key games now behind them and no points. In particular, I'm talking, of course, the, the Hamina games where really they would need to pick up points um, because they are rivals for, for relegation. Is is Roy Hutteret in trouble here, Nico? Yeah, they're awful. I mean, I mean, they they cannot get like any of the basics together at the moment. Not even like throwing the ball to like to the <laughs> correct base and somebody actually catching the ball. And they are like <sighs> they have zero confidence. And it shows in the game. Uh, they they struggled to put anything together like tactically, and uh, like their outfield is. I mean, I I don't even want to talk about it. They have young. They still have those young, interesting players. But if it keeps going like that, I cannot see why they would stay there. A lot longer, but that's like we may see another like survival, like last season or so. But so far, it's been tough to watch them play. To be honest, yeah, the uh, the Hoogland sisters are are probably the the, the shining uh, beacons for for that team. But it's it's been really tough to to see their performances so far this year um i know the the infrastructure that is there they've got a great um little stadium there the fans are really enthusiastic and and everything but the performance on the pitch is not at the level it, it needs to be um <clears throat> we'll see if they can start to turn those things around so there's the power rankings as they currently uh, stand. Then uh, topping off, we'll we'll talk about some top performers. Now, in the men's, Perto Ruska, the time of recording, uh, has two home runs and 22 RBIs. We expect him to be up or about um, that number. But uh, Miko, are you impressed with uh, Ruska so far this season? Yeah, he's back. I mean, now he is, like, compared to last season when he was, like, I had to actually think that who is this person who is wearing this rubber mask that resembles Peretoruska at times that this is, this cannot be the same guy. But this, this version of Peretoruska is, like, close or there or thereabouts to hitting a hundred like runs total this season and uh, he's he's dangerous at the moment and i love to watch him hit bat at the moment yeah well it's going to be interesting between him and um Vanyampa as to who will uh win that sort of batting title come the end of the season they those two really look like the front runners as you'd expect um, in terms of uh, runners uh, and runs scored, uh, Mikhail Makala again um, is uh, the top end of the table uh, from Partu, which is really impressive with 14 runs at the time of recording, um, along with uh, Tommy Meintauster. So Meintauster, of course, do, do you think he's back to, to form now? Uh, we would seen them drop off over the last season or so with injuries and things. Ah yeah yeah yeah. Uh he's the oh I mean he's the he's the workhorse. I mean I don't think he's been that much of like a, okay he may have had some like seasons where they have now used some other runners more and they have had some like other fast runners to like so he has not had to be this like 
cowbell work calls so that but now he's uh yeah he's only like he's also back but Mikhail Makela is obviously at the moment uh, we have spoken and I've been raving about him like everyone else for a while that he's hungry I mean as a runner he's really looking to steal the base and it's like Elmer Puramonen and is the other one who looks like really good at the moment and some others but Makela is looking fantastic and uh, yeah they just uh, need to utilize him more mm. well despite him topping the the table in terms of runs scored of course um Bartioki have only had that one uh, win so far this season but he's he can't be faulted <laughs> for the amount of effort he's putting in uh, when running those bases there are other issues i think the team needs to to fix in order to turn those near chances and they have had near chances <clears throat> both at points and at wins this season but they need to to fix some other aspects of the game but if uh, michael keeps playing the way he's playing running the bases as he's running them then um yeah, part to have unlocked that uh, that potential we were talking about in our previews. Uh, turning to the uh, women's then, um, Maria Karkinen from uh, Yonsu, uh, one home run and 21 RBIs at the time of uh, recording and was voted the player of the month for May as well. Uh, Well-deserved, uh, actually, uh, in my opinion as well. Um She's been performing pretty well uh, so far this season and and uh, there's been a, a key reason why Jorns have had the wins that they've had or, or certainly scored some of the points that they've scored. Um, Miko, do you expect to see Karkinen still towards the top uh, at the end of this season or do you think this is just uh, a good start from her? Well, we... We really don't have, like, uh, how should I put it? Uh, the, the, I mean, the sample size is still so small. And, uh, but in terms of what I've seen from their game, like, they, they have desperately needed somebody to score those runs. They have, they have been, like, lacking those runs as a team previously uh she's a power hitter uh, she has like she lives and studies in yonsu already so that move was like it made sense but it it has been a, like a super good start obviously and like we know that when chokers get their confidence together they they go on a roll easily but then again if when that when that hot streak ends, we don't know her, like, what is her, like, where's the floor and where's the ceiling? I think that now we have seen more of the ceiling, but, <laughs> but where is the, where's the floor? That remains to be seen. Mm. Well, it's been an incredible month uh, for her and a good start to the season. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine seeing her at the top end of the uh, the statistics come the end of the season. There's a lot of other very talented players who I think are going to accelerate towards the end. But I I will be intrigued and interested to see if she's still there at the end of the season. And it would be great for Jorinsu, of course. Um, one of the other players I wanted to then talk about was um, Rika Polso. Now, I'd mentioned her a moment ago from Mailatarette. 17 runs so far from five games, eight of them, of course, coming against Kiritret. Um, joint top in the league, pretty uh, decent player for uh, Mailatret there. What would you say, Miko? Uh, yeah, an absolutely key player. And now, like, she is, she is like the engine for me with. Okay, with 
a couple of other players, obviously, but uh, like her speed is something that they also, like I said with Makela, that they really do need to utilize and she needs to stay healthy and like uh, of course like <laughs> eight eight runs in a game that's not gonna happen <laughs> that often but it speaks volumes I mean if you if you do score eight runs against Kiritare like <laughs> well that that should to speak like send a message but but yeah uh, great start for her yeah and if uh, Malatoret want to stay in that hunt for the playoff spots then of course they'll need to rely uh, on her for those runs a uh, lot of changes we we've often talked about here in that team since last year um also is uh, really uh, uh, excelling at the moment. So that'll just about do it for uh, this episode. I want to thank my co-host, Mikko Pirhonen. Thanks. And uh, now let's just focus on the games that are forthcoming because now we are on a roll like in terms of the season. So there's basically something interesting every day after after today. So... So yeah, it's great times. Yeah, no, it's 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 really exciting, and um, I'm going all in <laughs> with the Pesapolo yeah. this year. Yeah, really, really immersing myself. Um, I I'm driving a lot more these days because most of the courts are back open here in the, in England and Wales, um, and so. Uh, I, because I've run out of podcasts and things to listen to, I'm actually listening to Finnish radio, and I'm just imagining in my mind I'm driving <laughs> to these various stadiums I've been to. Oh, daydreaming. It, it helps me through the very tedious work that I have to do, but there we are. Um, so, yes, I also want to say thank you to you, our listeners, for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, what you've listened to, please do like or subscribe. Heck, even leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. If you want to uh, know more about me and the sport, then uh, please follow me on Twitter at SuperPacesR and on Facebook. You can also read some of the articles on the blog at SuperPacesRoundup.wordpress.com and you will see me writing occasionally for Hamina's website as well. In fact, I've just uh, recently done the uh, review of the men's May games, which will be coming out shortly, and we'll be uh, doing the review of the women's games as well. Uh, so from me, Ian Alba, we'll see you soon. Hidden far